The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brave. Crossover, step back! Right here on 960theref.com. What's going on, 960theref listeners in Athens, Atlanta, wherever you may be listening to this podcast. Thank you for joining this episode of The Crossover. Sam Franco and Chris Brame along with you. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. We're going all college football today because we don't really feel like talking about the Falcons. <laughs> yeah, I'm good with that. that what about Falcons, the Hawks? Yeah. Have oh, they oof, won? Oof. They, they beat uh, Cleveland the other day. They did beat Cleveland. Yeah, that's wild. Um, but they uh, did also lose eight games in a row after winning their first game against the Dallas Mavericks, who are also terrible. So uh, that's the extent of the Hawks talk you're going to get today. <laughs> and that Falcons-Panthers game was so brutal Sam, you said you didn't want to talk about it. So, yeah, well, that's all I'm going to say. Okay. It's, it's, it's brutal just so to brutal watch. to watch. There's no reason to talk about it. Yeah. So, Most uh, Falcons games this year have been brutal to watch. They have been. And, uh, you know, they'll take on the Cowboys this weekend. So uh, have fun uh, watching that. I, I guess I'll watch. But anyway, all college football. Uh, this edition of the crossover uh, will start with Georgia and South Carolina, then dive into this weekend's games. Three games with top 10 teams in the college football playoff rankings going up against each other. You have number one Georgia against number 10 Auburn. You have number three uh, Notre Dame against, is it number six Miami? I believe no, no, they no, moved up to seven Miami. Because then you have correct. five and six Oklahoma TCU. There it is. Yeah. So, uh, yes, I will uh, try to do that one more time. Number one Georgia, number 10 Auburn. Number three, Notre Dame, number seven, Miami, and number five, Oklahoma, against number six, TCU. So plenty of good college football. You've also got Alabama taking on Mississippi State, who is ranked in the top 25 of the college football playoff rankings. I believe it's 16. And uh, Clemson's taking on Florida State, which before the season, this would have uh, figured in to be one of the biggest matchups of the season. That obviously didn't turn out uh, that way. But uh, some big matchups here in college football but going back to this past weekend georgia and south carolina georgia beating south carolina 24 to 10 just like alabama beat lsu 24 to 10 and i guess my first reaction to this game is that kirby smart secretly had to love what was happening in terms of georgia being in a game that they had to fight the whole way through because getting ready to take on auburn this is georgia's toughest test of the season other than the trip to Notre Dame right now, I mean, Georgia taking on an SEC opponent on the road in Auburn that's the number 10th ranked team in the college football playoff rankings, this is going to be a tough test for them. So I really do think Kirby Smart liked the fact that his team was in a dogfight, for lack of a better term, this weekend. Yeah, that they actually had to come out and, um, uh, you know, kind of stress about things into the fourth quarter. I wasn't uh, proclaiming the game over at halftime, as I had done so many times already this uh, season. But what Georgia did do is come out of the locker room and do what it has been doing all year, and that is uh, establish its uh, presence there early. Went right downfield and scored uh, a touchdown. Georgia has, I believe, given up six points all year in the third quarter. And three of those, South Carolina did get that field goal in the third quarter Saturday, but it is... Uh, overwhelming what Georgia's done in the third quarter this year. So it's impressive how they've come out of the uh, locker room. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I got to tell you, I walked away, I, you know, having some respect for South Carolina, mm-hmm. just that that team is – they play hard. 
You know, they look good defensively. They're big defensively up yes. front. Yes. They've got a – I mean, Bentley is a, a really good quarterback too. I mean, I've been saying if, if Will Muschamp had had a quarterback like Jake Bentley at Florida, he'd still be coaching there. If Florida had a Jake Bentley this year, they might not be as bad as they have been. Absolutely. But, I mean, that's one thing you know about, I think, with Muschamp teams is they're going to be, you know, solid, above average defensively. And that's what that South Carolina team is. But, you know, overall, Georgia still, they never trailed in the game. Uh, I guess the only game Georgia's trailed in this year was what the game at Notre Dame, mm-hmm. and it was tied at seven. But um, you know the the dogs really. I never. I mean, even as it was, you know, where you couldn't necessarily just flat out relax. I also never got the sense that Georgia was in danger of of losing that game and that South Carolina was going to spring an upset. No, and uh, jumping into some of the individual players from this game. I love that Georgia continued to ride the uh, the bell cows, Chuck, uh, Nick Chubb, and Sony Michelle. Uh, I also really like the fact that Jake Fromm had one of his better, more complete games. I would say, you know, going sixteen of twenty-two for one hundred ninety-six yards with the two touchdowns. I thought the throw to Hardman was a really, really nice throw, and I also thought the throw to Wims. You know, Wims did a great job with body control on the sideline to get the foot down, even though they didn't call it initially. They had to go right. and review it. But Georgia definitely, I thought, uh, had a really good performance from Jake Fromm. And and just the offense, you know, maybe didn't click the way you've seen them uh, click in in some of the other games this season. But I I do think South Carolina is a better team. Uh, Georgia going 8 of 13 on third down and uh, out first downing uh, South Carolina 26 to 14. So Georgia did enough on offense. Uh, and really controlled the the tempo of this game. I mean, time of possession, 38-22 to 21-38. I mean, that's what Georgia wanted to do is just really grind this game out and control it and not let Jake Bentley really have a whole lot of time with the ball. No, and those numbers you just read off from the box score suggest that uh, the the game was close to about as one-sided as some of Georgia's other games have been, but the reason it didn't look that way on the scoreboard, I mean, it comes down really that first possession Georgia had where they fumbled. The Terry Godwin fumble was was probably yeah. the, the the moment in the game where you were like, okay, this might be closer than we think. It's right, going. and that I mean that probably turns out to be the reason why Georgia didn't even cover the spread in the game because they right. lost points on that one possession. But Georgia, if Georgia had scored there instead of fumbling, they would have scored on what their first four drives, right? Because they went three touchdowns after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and ended up scoring on all but you know the one possession in the first half where they did punt, uh, inclu- and of course the, the fumble we're talking about there, and then they came out in the second half and, and scored on the first drive there. So, um, you know, I mean, that really, I mean, at the end of the day, the 24-10, maybe it would have been, you know, 31-10 would have been around it more like it um, had it not been for that because that was on the four-yard line. So, but everything else, and the first down total, the yardage total. Now, South Carolina did average over five yards of play. So, I mean, offensively, they were, um, you know, they, they probably did as much to put a dent into Georgia's defense as any team we've seen. But luckily, they, they did bog down there on that one trip in the third quarter on that nice drive they had, and Georgia held them to a field goal. And then they missed the field goal attempt when Georgia attempted the onside kick mm-hmm. to start the game. Absolutely. And that's another thing I wanted to hit on there. I had 0.0 percent of a problem with what Georgia did going for that onside kick because Kirby Smart has such faith in his defense he's like okay even if we don't recover this kick we're still not gonna let South Carolina score and they did get in field range but they missed the field goal so I didn't have a problem with it I thought it was a gutsy move and I thought it was a tempo setter or, or, or like trying to set that standard for the game it's like look South Carolina 
we're going to try and get this ball back and score, and you're not going to be able to score on us. So that I, I mean, I, I get that, and then also the idea that are you are you planting something for future opponents, but it's giving them something to think about, right? But my counter to that is like, well, no, now you've given them the the thought, so they might be prepared for, hey, watch out, this team attempted an onside kick against South Carolina. I wasn't crazy about it, and I get what you're saying too. Yeah, if you're the head, if you're Kirby, you're like, look, I've got faith in my defense that they could stop them, and and Georgia's defense. What they got down to the 29 and missed a field goal. But why I didn't like it was because you're in a game where you're more than three touchdown favorite in it. I would prefer if you have something like that in your playbook, like that's the kind of thing if you want to save it for a bigger game. Yeah, if you want to steal a possession from a team, try it in the SEC championship game. Even saying then, like, yeah, we're playing Alabama, but I know my defense, I'll have my back if we don't recover this here. Like, to me, it's just like the risk reward of doing it against South Carolina is like what are you you're stealing you're taking a possession away from a team that you're a three touchdown favorite to uh, beat and in the end the risk there is like the the one chance South Carolina would have had was to get an early lead and get some confidence there and you know they had a chance to do that um but luckily they did miss the field goal right so, so I wouldn't I mean I don't know I was I wasn't a, a huge <laughs> fan of it but I mean I do get where yeah I mean you 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 feel good about your defense, but um, you know I would have—I don't know—I would have liked to have saved that for like the SEC title game or something. But now Alabama just be sitting there like, "Hey, we 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 know you tried that against South Carolina, so now we're going to be on to you." Well, we'll <laughs> see what happens. Maybe they pull it out again against Auburn. We'll see. I strongly doubt that's going to happen. Uh, unless Georgia's down and needs to try to recover the ball to, to win the game late. But yeah, that's a team you might want to take a possession away from. That's very true. And uh, we'll go ahead and dive in right now to that Georgia and Auburn game. And it's the Deep South's oldest rivalry. It's a very tight rivalry. I believe Georgia has the advantage by two games uh, as it stands right now uh, with some ties worked in there. It's funny because this is actually a series where both schools agree on the record in the all-time series. You don't get that very often. No, because we at Florida and Tech we disagree with. Right, and I think Auburn and Alabama also disagree with each other. Yes, yeah. Uh, so I mean, it's just so funny how these schools that hate each other can't always agree. But this rivalry I've always kind of felt, there's definitely some hatred on both sides, but it feels like one that's built more out of respect than maybe some of the other ones. Well, there's so much like like inbreeding between. That's the two. right. Vince Dooley went to Auburn, but Eric he was Russell, coach. Eric Russell, Pat Dye went over uh, there. I mean, mm-hmm. heck, even recently we had Tracy Rocker working for That's us. Right. Um, you know, Rodney Garner now has worked in uh, worked for both places. Trey Matthews has played for oh, both teams. Man. Well, some would say that uh, in the uh, the prayer at Jordan Hare game that uh, that that Matthews had already made his switch over to the other team. Yeah, he was already playing for Auburn uh, there, too. Yeah, like uh, David Johnston told me, apparently there's a joke going around about how Gus Malzahn asked uh, everyone on the Auburn team to stand up if you've beaten Georgia, and Trey Matthews is the only one who did. <laughs> Solid. So, uh, yeah, but, yeah, it is weird. Like, I don't uh, – yeah, I, I don't – like, I dislike Florida, Tennessee – um more than I do Auburn. Right. I was about to say Tech, but honestly, like I'm not like like Jeff when it comes to Tech. You and I are similar I, in that regard, right? And it's just because I don't see them as a real like long term threat. I mean, I get they are unfortunate. Like they won last year. I mean, yes, they will win games against Georgia occasionally, but they just you know there there won't be enough of losing to them um, over and over and over again. Like you know the possibility exists, and we have had happen to us against like Tennessee and Florida. 
Right, and, and and Tech, when they beat you, it's very annoying because those fans, when Georgia's on a long streak, they crawl into their hole and they don't come out. But it, right. as soon as they beat Georgia, they're the loudest and most annoying fans. But it doesn't happen as often. So, like you said, it's not as big of a deal. But Florida, for me, Florida's my number one. Tennessee's my number two. And Tech and South Carolina are both kind of similar in 3A, 3B kind of. Because South Carolina fans can be super annoying. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm not uh, – I, I don't really a, don't like Alabama. I know they're not really a Georgia I hate rival, Alabama. But yes. I feel like they're the state next door. They're they're the standard in the conference right now. And Georgia is going to be planning to knock them off come SEC title game. Unless somehow Auburn beats them and works their way into the game. And but. their fans are annoying. LSU fans are annoying, too. Yeah. I had to sit behind a couple at the uh, 03 SEC title game, which was unpleasant Oof. since we were uh, getting uh, waxed, crushed by them. <laughs> but um, – was that Rohan Davey, or was that after? Uh, that was after him. I okay. yeah. No, that was like uh, wasn't that Matt Mock? No, it was Matty right. Mock. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah. Anyway, I Tennessee and Florida, the two I despise the most, and then Alabama in there. But yeah, with Auburn, it is weird. I don't have like a a ton of animosity for them. But you know what? Also helps. We have won nine of the last eleven against them. This is true. And, and Auburn had a lead in the series until Georgia has really dominated things recently to uh, you know to get that lead in the series back. And and Georgia's going to want to continue that. Uh, the last time Georgia played at Jordan Hare Stadium. It was one of the worst football games I've ever been to in person. It was an abysmal effort from both teams. Uh, I believe that Isaiah McKenzie scored both of Georgia's touchdowns in that game. Uh, one was like a jet sweep, and the other was a, a punt return. Yes. So, outside of that, it was just one of the most awful football games I've yeah, ever neither watched. neither team was very good. No. And uh, Georgia did get the win. Georgia got the win last year, even though Auburn was favored uh, coming into the game. Uh, that was kind of the birth of the savages for me. You know, this thing that everybody's talking about with the defense being savage. I think that was the first game where you were really like, okay, Kirby Smart's got his imprint on this Georgia defense right now. And they played a very tight, uh, good game against Auburn there. So I think Georgia going in, uh, as we're recording this, to the two-and-a-half-point favorite, and I understand why. I mean, they don't have any losses on the season. They have one of the best wins going to Notre Dame and getting a win. And, uh, and Auburn has some, you know, injury worry with a with a Cameron Petway but this team's really it's funny last year Petway didn't play against Georgia and that was an advantage for Georgia because Petway was the leading back for the Tigers yeah this year carry on Johnson's been that leading back and uh, he's rushed for 868 yards and 15 touchdowns this year so uh, he's been a very very good quarterback and uh, they've got a healthy quarterback, too, this year with Stidham. Last year they came in with – A very um, good running back, excuse me. Yeah, well, I mean, last year they came in and oh, they were beaten up there. Last two years they've played Georgia. They've been a little bit dinged up at the quarterback. But Stidham's having a heck of a year, and uh, this offense is right up there with what Missouri's has done in terms of explosiveness. And, you know, we saw Missouri's offense be able to hit a couple of big plays against Georgia's defense. And when you look at – you know, 30-yard 30, 30 plays, 40-yard plays from scrimmage. Missouri leads basically across the board in long plays on offense in the SEC, and Auburn is right there behind them second in a lot of those spots. So uh, they've definitely got that big play uh, potential. And, I guess, you know, Johnson, I guess, was the guy who played for them last year when Petway had gotten hurt. Mm-hmm. He was the back, and uh, the dogs did a pretty good job of bottling them all up the number one thing Georgia's gonna have to do in this game though is get pressure on Stidham I mean you look at what Clemson did in that uh, early game this season where they sacked Stidham 11 times Georgia's gonna have to you know I don't know if they're gonna sack him 11 times 
but they're going to have to get a lot of pressure on Stidham because you do not want those deep uh, plays down the field that he can uh, make happen with his arm that happen to you. So yeah. if Georgia can get pressure with Bellamy and uh, Lorenzo Carter, Roquan Smith, if those guys can, can be there and then be getting after Stidham, I think Georgia's going to have a pretty good day on Saturday. Well, it's crazy that number 11 sacks, and you think, like, I mean, what Georgia's defense has 17 for the entire year, mm-hmm. right? I mean, went into the Florida game with 10, then had five in that one, and was it like, I mean, two last week yeah. or something? So, yeah, I mean, they had 11 in one game against Auburn, and we have 17 for the entire season. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you got to find some way. No quarterback likes pressure. Uh, even if you're not getting sacks, just at least get some heat on them, make them rush a throw or anything like that, because. Um, you know, Missouri's already shown it can, you know, Georgia's defense, I guess, can be exploited uh, downfield because they were able to do it a couple of times. Yeah, I think Auburn's got more punch at the running game with uh, on Johnson than Missouri had. Just overall, I mean, they're a, uh, they're a better team, too, and certainly much better defensively. And Auburn's defense is right there with what Alabama's has done this season and what Georgia's has done this year. So, um, you know, that's a, that's a, you know, another tough matchup there for that dog's offense. Absolutely. So Georgia-Auburn, the uh, top-ranked dogs against the 10th-ranked Tigers. Uh, looking at some of the other big matchups that impact the college football playoff, I think there are two teams that if they lose this weekend, they eliminate their conference from playoff contention. Washington on Friday night, they're Agree. at 8-1. and one. Yeah. If they lose to Stanford, the Pac-12's done. And the Pac-12 might be done anyway, but if Stanford beats Washington, it's all over for the Pac-12. Yes. And if Iowa beats Wisconsin, Big Ten's done. They're out. I don't think a one-loss Wisconsin is getting into the playoff with the horrible schedule they've played. I don't think so either. Um, so if you're a Georgia fan, you really are rooting hard for Stanford, and you're really rooting hard for Iowa to knock Wisconsin off because the more those teams fall and the more that the those conferences get eliminated – you're looking at a possibility because Notre Dame, I think, is the one that everybody's worried about right now in terms of Georgia not being able to uh, get into the playoff if Notre Dame does. But right now, I'm thinking that your playoff is going to be the winner of Miami-Notre Dame. If Miami beats Notre Dame, Notre Dame's out because they have two losses. So you could have the winner of that game, out the, the SEC champ, Possibly the loser of the SEC championship if Georgia is undefeated going into the game and Bama's undefeated going into the game. Then you would also have either an Oklahoma or a Clemson, or it just depends. I mean, there's just so much left on the table to unfold, but there are already conferences that are eliminating themselves. And that Iowa-Wisconsin game, the way Iowa's been playing... (laughs) Wisconsin better watch out. Yeah, but that is a that's that's one of the lines that jumped out at me this week that seems kind of fishy that's when a you big say line. I mean Iowa just beat Ohio State by thirty one. Mm-hmm. They lost to Penn State on like the last play of the game by two earlier this year, and then they um they lost to Sparty by a touchdown. Right. And now they're they've also got a win against Iowa State, which is looking like a better win as the season's going. Right, and that, but now they're they're like a two touchdown underdog or something at Wisconsin. They are. So I think just that that game just kind of reeks. I, I don't. I mean, I don't think there's after uh, Iowa beat Ohio State by 31 points. They're they're still celebrating that win. There's no way. Yeah, there is no way they're focused on on. They got to go on the road this week to Wisconsin. I don't think they've got a chance to win that game. Well, another one of these matchups that has top 10 teams going up against each other, you have Notre Dame and Miami. 
And I know this one means a, a lot to you being a guy that went to Miami. Catholics uh, versus little, the convicts. Uh, that is absolutely right. Seventh ranked Miami, third ranked Notre Dame. I don't really know what to think about this game. I mean, it's at Hard Rock Stadium. Game day is going to be on campus. Um, game day is going to be on campus at Miami. So they're not doing it in front of like the Hard Rock Stadium. They're doing it like actually on uh, Miami's campus in Coral Gables. But still, uh, this game is hard to read. Miami has been a team where they've kind of been scraping by in a lot of these games. Then last week they go out and handle their business a lot easier against a Virginia Tech team that a lot of people thought was going to beat them. I mean, Miami was the underdog in this game. Yeah, now I think is the week Miami is going to lose because now people were doubting them last week. You're barely beating these lousy teams. You know, Mark Richt was getting mad about, hey, I'm tired of having to defend wins, and they went out and they just they looked tremendous against Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, my, maybe Miami is uh, really good. And... I uh, and then now this is the week they'll uh, they'll lose. I mean, I hate to say it, but like watching Miami play and be undefeated this season, it, the times I've watched their games, there have been flashbacks to like I've seen this team before, and it was when Coach Rick coached us, and you know they could they could beat Notre Dame this weekend, and then it would it would not shock me at all if they ended up dropping one of their last two games to Virginia or Pitt. Because they're just it's it's those teams and even some of the best ones that that Coach Rick had here, you walk that fine line when you're just barely getting by teams mm-hmm. that eventually it's going to come back and get you, and so far Miami they've you know they've won them all, but um, yeah I kind of I kind of like Notre Dame now Saturday. I don't only like Notre Dame I like Notre Dame big. I, th- I think the Irish win by 10 or more in this one. I don't yeah. think it's going to be that And we close. do. We need to get rid of those guys. I mean, after we beat them up there, it was kind of like, all right, they need to keep winning because that will make Georgia look good. But, but now, now it's like, hey, lose again. Now it's like they need to lose again. Because this if, is really their last chance, though, to lose a game. I, I, I think they could lose at Stanford. I wouldn't say that they're – you know, that's a, a lock that they would go out there and uh, win. And, by, and Navy. I mean, Navy's a solid team, and Navy could go and, and clip them too. But um, – but yeah, I mean, we still I don't know. After this, we're starting to run out of chances cuz if 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 you're, you know, as a, we all are as a Georgia fan and the idea of like could we lose the SEC title game and still get uh, into the playoff? We, I don't I mean, I we could, but I think only if Notre Dame is uh not sitting in there. I think before the season, if you had said that Notre Dame Miami was going to be a much bigger matchup than Clemson Florida State, People would have looked at you sideways. Yeah. But now this is one of the biggest matchups of the season. I mean, you have three of the biggest matchups in college football this season on one weekend. TCU Oklahoma is huge because if, you know, either one of the, whoever wins eliminates the other one from playoff contention, and both of those teams are still, you know, sitting pretty. Although you could see a rematch, uh, you will see a rematch of a game that already happened this season in the Big 12 title game. So what if one of these teams wins and then. Another one takes revenge on the uh, winning team in the uh, Big 12 title game. That could eliminate the Big 12. Yeah, I think the the Big 12 is kind of walking a fine line right now. Like even I almost think like TCU doesn't have much of a chance to get in there. I mean, don't forget they got left out a few years ago. They did when it was TCU and Baylor, and and they ended up putting Ohio State in in uh, instead. But I think TCU and Oklahoma both share something in common: losses to Iowa State. Yeah, I, but you know, Oklahoma does have that win at Ohio State. Plus, they're Oklahoma. I think if they're if they have one loss and win the Big Twelve, they'll get it. They're going to be in the playoff. Um, 
But uh, so that's, I mean, again, with Notre Dame in there, it's, you know, I have a hard time believing that the selection committee would take two teams from the same conference plus Notre Dame, which then would just leave one spot for either the Pac-12, Big 12, ACC, or the Big 10. Mm -hmm. So for the loser of the SEC championship game, I just think you need, we need to get rid of Notre Dame. And so maybe Coach Rick can do us a solid Saturday night, uh, but I'm with you. I I don't know if I think Notre Dame's going to win big, but I uh, I do like them to win. Yeah, uh, I think I, I think Notre Dame's just uh, in a good position, and they're playing much better football than they were uh, against Georgia uh, this season. They didn't play a bad game against Georgia, but they're just steamrolling teams uh, now. It's funny that they've actually, I guess, other than the Wake Forest game, you know, they steamrolled Temple to start the season, and then have beaten everybody else senseless, other than like Wake Forest since then. So yeah, they've, um, they've had a really good run. Didn't wait, I mean? Didn't I? Didn't really see the game though. But I can't, you know, other than like the score scrolling across. But I mean, didn't Wake Forest end up just kind of like backdooring in there late? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Notre they Dame. Scored some more points. Yeah, so. I thought. I mean, I don't think like Notre Dame was ever really losing that game or anything, were they? No, no. But I mean, look at these scores. I mean, thirty-five fourteen over NC State, forty-nine to fourteen over USC. Uh, they beat UNC by twenty-three. They beat Miami of Ohio 52-17. to They beat Michigan State by 20. Uh, this Michigan State team, by the way, beat Penn State. Uh, beat Boston College 49-20. to That's right. So, I mean, they've, uh, they've really had a good uh, season since uh, playing Georgia. Um, getting back to TCU and Oklahoma really quick, is Baker Mayfield the Heisman Trophy front runner right now, or is it Saquon Barkley? I mean, Barkley having lost with Penn State, these the games that they've lost, I mean, kind of feels like, He's fallen off a little bit, and Mayfield's kind of the flavor of the moment. I think Mayfield is, just when you look at what he's done on the road at Oklahoma State and Ohio State, and look at those two games that he put together. I think That he's Oklahoma State-Oklahoma game, Bedlam was just nuts. Yeah, I mean, he averaged 16.6 yards an attempt against Oklahoma State. I mean, think about it. Every time he threw the ball, they were averaging getting a first down and a half, basically. Mm-hmm. At, what do you have? Five touchdowns plus one rushing. Right. Uh, he had three touchdowns against Ohio State. Um, he didn't throw for as many yards against Ohio State, and he averaged eleven yards in attempt against the Buckeyes. So, I mean, to think about t- those are, and again, those are both on the road. So, yeah, I think Mayfield has kind of moved to the uh, to the head of the class there, even over Saquon Barkley. I, you know, Stanford ended up losing to Washington State, but. When when Stanford almost lost to Oregon State, what did they beat them fifteen to fourteen, whatever that final right. score was, yeah. without Bryce Love? Mm-hmm. To me, it was like at that moment I was well, my vote's going to go to Bryce Love because Stanford is that bad without him. Because <laughs> he, he's averaging like ten yards an attempt, but against uh, Washington State, he really only had that. He had one long run against them, and other than that, they were pretty quiet and ended up losing the game. And then I guess the other marquee matchup on the weekend is Alabama and Mississippi State. That's number two. Alabama, by the way, against the Bizarro Bulldogs. And that game is in Starkville. Is there any chance? No, there's not. Alabama's going to win the game, but can Mississippi State keep it tight? That's another fishy line, if you ask me. Only 14 points. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Alabama's really banged up right now on defense. Two linebackers out for the season this last game. Minka Fitzpatrick had to leave the game twice against LSU. Yeah, and at one time, too, he wanted to go back in, and Jeremy Pruitt wouldn't even let him go back Mm -hmm. in. Um, Deshaun Hand is probable or questionable, too, so he's banged up this weekend, and yeah, no, I don't. I don't care how well you've done in recruiting. At some point during a season, if you're losing that many, you know, key contributors, 
you know, and now you're you're facing a team that's got a really good quarterback in Fitzgerald, and it's on the road. I I know we've 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 been here so many times though. These moments when you think like, I think Alabama that might be a tough game for them this weekend, <laughs> and then they go out and they win by like forty. Oh yeah. So I'm yeah. Uh, that's all I'm going to say is like that's a fishy line uh, to me. No, so. I'd agree with that. I, uh, only a fourteen point favorite. Look, Mississippi State. I feel like is another one of these teams. That after they played Georgia, they played good football. Yeah, they're only two losses. They lost to us and they lost to Auburn back to back weeks mm-hmm. on the road. Mm-hmm. And they came to Athens in a terrible spot because they had just, you know, talking about Iowa now having to go on the road to Wisconsin. And those guys will be zombies because I guarantee they've just been celebrating that win all week. I felt like that's why I really like Georgia that week against Mississippi State. Boat raced LSU. Yeah, because they had beaten LSU by thirty. I'm telling those guys didn't. I mean, they probably didn't think about Georgia all week until they got on the the plane to come over here and was like, "Oh crap, we got to play a game this week." And they got crushed. And then, you know, then they had to go on the week road again the week after that. And Auburn got them. And they, you know, they ran into look. Their only two losses are to two top ten teams on the road. Yeah, and. So now, you know, they get Alabama, but the game is in Stark Vegas. That, to me, is, for obviously excluding Georgia and Auburn, that, to me, is the second most interesting game this weekend. Number one's Miami-Notre Dame, but I'm – Auburn and Mississippi – Alabama-Mississippi State's going to have my attention as much as any game this Saturday. Oh, for sure. I think that's going to be a, a very good game and a very important game for how the college football playoff rankings unfold. All right, that will wrap things up for us here on this edition of the Crossover Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, subscribe to us on iTunes. We'll be back next week, hopefully after another Georgia win in the Deep South's oldest rivalry where the dogs can continue to be the number one team in the country. But until then, I'm Sam Franco. He's Chris Brain. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Crossover here on 960theref.com. You've been listening to The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brain on 960theref.com.